Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? I know that so many of you wish that your family or even your good friends would get on board with a healthier lifestyle. I hear this frustration a lot. If only my husband would do this with me. If only my kids would listen. If only my friend would try it. And I get this 100% more than you know. You know, and this is partially what drove me back to school for my nutrition education. I had seen the power of transformation in my own life by changing the way that I eat. You know, my digestive issues went away. I wasn't bloated all the time. I actually started going to the bathroom regularly. I overcame my genetic skin condition, the one that I had been battling for 20 years, the one that doctors said there was nothing more they could do for and that I would just have to live with it but I was able to reverse it with food. I was able to get pregnant after a diagnosis of unexplained infertility once I changed my diet and read a really great book called Taking Charge of Your Fertility. And so, you know, changing the way I ate profoundly changed my life. And I wanted to scream it from the rooftops and, you know, tell everybody everything. And I was that person <laughs> making comments all the time. Um, but then something kind of pivotal happened My best friend got breast cancer, a really aggressive form of breast cancer, when we were in our late 30s. And I knew enough by that time to know that the way that we eat can be like gasoline or water, you know, on a cancer fire. And my friend was all gasoline. And doctors weren't saying anything to her. They weren't saying like, hey, you know, you should ease up on the sugar because that fans the fire of cancer. Or, you know, eat more greens or avoid toxins. They weren't saying anything like that. And it was really frustrating to me, you know, and I was sharing with her things that I knew and I was reading, but they were kind of getting, you know, lost in the shuffle. They were very, very much um, low on the totem pole um, while she was, you know, trying to deal with her chemotherapy schedule and all those kind of things. And she eventually came around, but, you know, it was just, it was hard. When I knew how much your food could affect um, your outcome. And, you know, at that time, I had already been toying with the idea of going back to school for nutrition education because I had been self-educating. I'd been reading so much and being the practical person that I am. I was like, my goodness, I could probably have earned some kind of degree by now with all of this reading that I've been doing. And so I might as well channel it into a more formalized education since, you know, I don't see me stopping this passion anytime soon. But I was definitely on the fence about it. You know, at that time, my kids were pretty little. I mean, Blair was around nine months old. The boys were like two and a half and six, something like that. And, you know, honestly, I didn't have any plans to do anything with a more formalized education. So I didn't know if I could really justify the cost. 
but I definitely had that tugging at my heart. You know, we all know what that was, Holy Spirit. Um, and it, it was finally, you know, my best friend's cancer diagnosis that kind of pushed me over the edge, um, was the catalyst and just sealed the deal for me because I wanted her and my other friends and my family to listen to me, <laughs> to take me seriously. And I thought that having a legit title would make them listen and, you know, and get on board and that everybody I loved would be super healthy and that that would be worth the cost of going back to school. So I did, you know, and it's one of the best decisions that I've ever made. And when I finished my training at the Nutritional Therapy Association, I was like, oh, you know, angel singing. Now everyone's going to listen and change their ways and be healthy and experience amazing transformation. Um, yeah, that's not how it works. <laughs> um, so a while back in Bible study, okay, I, I'm switching gears here. Sorry, I have a brain dart, not a brain fart, a brain dart, but it's going to tie in. So just hang with me. But a while back at Bible study, we were talking about how it would have been difficult for people who knew Jesus growing up to believe that he was the son of God. You know, like they would have just grown up and been around him and been with him as their peer, their friend, their hometown boy. And then they were supposed to see him as the Messiah, you know, there's that famous line from Nathaniel who says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? You know, just this little town and full of, you know, insignificant people. <laughs> um, but it would have been hard for people who already knew Jesus to see him in this different light. You know, like, wait, you're telling me Joseph's son, the carpenter, is the Messiah that we've been waiting for? It would have been harder for people who knew him than didn't know him, right? Um, because the people that knew him had all this kind of preconceived notions and context about him. And in a weird way, I was relating to this when we were talking about it in Bible study. I was like, you know what? It, that's so true. It's like the people that are closest to you that just can't get you out of that box in their head. And for me, it's like the people that are closest to me are harder to get through. And I don't know if skeptical is the right word or resistant or just more prone to blowing me off. But whatever it is, it's that they're the ones that have a harder time seeing you in in that kind of role in a different role as the expert. I'm not saying, you know, people are family and friends haven't been supportive, I'm not saying that at all. But you just kind of feel like, oh, they're gonna take my advice and run with it. And um, they don't always do that. <laughs> And this is an ongoing discussion in my nutritional therapy practitioner group. There's this theme of nobody in my family will listen, you know, to what I'm saying. And nobody, you know, respects my education or sees me as the expert. And it's, it's frustrating. And so I want you to know it's not just you, you know, this is, this is a universal type problem. But the reason this whole topic is really on my brain right now and that I wanted to kind of talk it out is becoming, because I'm going through a new phase of this as my kids get older and I have less control over their food choices and they, you know, they, they know everything and I don't know what I'm talking about. And so I'm just really struggling with it 
because over the years, I've had a lot of control <laughs> over this. You know, I've cooked all their meals, packed their lunches, stood over them while they ate their veggies. I've threatened, I've bribed, I've cajoled, I've explained why I've taught them, you know, well, I think I've taught them all the things. But now they're out and about more making, you know, their own choices. And a lot of the times they're not making very good ones. And in some instances, it's like they're seeking out foods that have every bad ingredient on purpose. You know, I found out that one of them, um, and it's not the first time, had been walking to the dollar store and using his money to buy things like boxes of Little Debbie cupcakes and candy and stuff like that. You know, it's like, what can I find with all the gluten, all the bad oils and all the artificial colors and all the high fructose corn syrup all in one place, you know, (laughs) give me that. And, you know, it's kind of gone on and off over the years. I I think I told y'all in one of the podcasts that um, when I found some empty boxes in the closet a few years ago, you know, the same kind of thing. And I was like, is somebody punking me? Like, I was really confused. Like, is this a joke? what what is even happening and so you know of course beyond the heartbreak that this makes me feel just I you know for me it's like at a different level because I know what it's doing to their bodies like when I see that stuff I don't just see a crappy piece of food you know I see floppy cell membranes (laughs) unable to do their job because of the soybean oil or a brain that's short-circuiting from the artificial dyes, or a liver that's taken a hit from all the corn syrup, or, you know, the the gut lining that's being torn apart because of the gluten. You know, my education is a blur. It's a blessing and a curse. I know the impact of what's happening at a, a deeper level, okay? So we've got, you know, that's like heartbreaking to me. Um, so beyond the heartbreak and then, you know, beyond the embarrassment, like, oh, here comes the nutritionist kid again, <laughs> buying all the little Debbie cakes. Um, that's, you know, that's not great either. But it's, it's what's been really more than anything that I've been grappling with is like, I'm like, am I running my kids, like leading them to a dysfunctional relationship with food because of my job and, you know, we're, we're talk about it so much we're so focused on it you know how the preacher's kids always you know getting the bad rap as the wild child is it like the nutritionist kid gets the bad rap as the out of control eater (laughs) you know I mean and I have purposefully tried not to be too restrictive over the years because I know that the allure of the forbidden fruit is strong and I've known enough people who grew up in strict food households who told me that they would go crazy eating every forbidden food as soon as they got out of the house. So it's not like, you know, I don't let my kids eat sugar. In fact, they get way too much sugar, too many carby things in general. And even though we're gluten-free, we have way too many packaged gluten-free foods that aren't healthy. In fact, I feel like if my fellow nutritionists looked in my pantry, they would be appalled. But it's all relative, right? Because I have people tell me all the time, you would die if you look in my pantry. (laughs) I mean, ours is definitely upgraded. But I'm not nearly as restrictive as you would think or as I would actually like to be. There are plenty of snacks and sugary things that make me cringe when I look in the pantry. You know, and I'm the one who buys them. So there's that. But the struggle is real, my friend, at every level. And, you know, also when we go out to eat... 
that's kind of another thing, um, you know, because in the home, there's one thing and then going out to eat and we don't out eat out very often just because of where we live. Um, but when we do, I let them get fries and chips and, you know, even though I know they're cooked in bad oils and I don't like it and I explain it to them, you know, why I don't like it, you know, because I'm seeing all the floppy cell membranes, but I don't ban it for the exact reason that, you know, I'm afraid they'll go crazy if I overly restrict. Um, and by the way, you know, I've been known to get down on some restaurant chips and fries here and there. So I am not perfect. And, you know, that's really what I try to teach my kids is that you can have some of these junky foods some of the time, but not all of the time. And it's exactly what I teach in Feast to Fast too, you know, and it's why we spend two weeks on the heck yes. Because when you tell yourself you can't ever have cookies or chips or bread or wine, then you want it all the more. But if you learn to take such extreme pressure off yourself and give yourself a little grace and build in times for heck yeahs and feasting, then you don't go so crazy and, you know, keep yo-yo dieting. But what's happening with my kids is that, you know, they're not in the home as much. They're out and about. They're going more with friends. They're, you know, in cars and driving around. And um, it's becoming these foods are coming in more than some of the time. You know, there's the more driving through the fast fast food restaurants and they're buying their own crappy food and all that, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, there's, I don't know, like they're also going to other people's houses and, you know, and eating all the things that I won't buy here. I mean, on no, nobody wants to come to our house to hang out and eat because I don't have all that stuff, you know. And one of my boys was like, well, if these foods are so bad for you, why does their mom buy it? you know, and that's a tough one, right, to answer, because I don't want to throw any mamas under the bus. But what I say is that, you know what, they just, they really don't know. They just don't know. And that's why I do what I do. They don't see cell membranes and livers like I do, honey. Okay. Oh, goodness. But you know, it's also, it's just funny as I'll catch myself thinking, you know, well, I grew up on cereal and Pop-Tarts and microwave dinners and McDonald's and Cokes. And I turned out okay. Um, you know, I'm not throwing my mom under the bus because she cooked all the time. And she cooked, you know, we had a really, we had good dinners, you know, good, well-rounded dinners every night. And one of her biggest gifts that she gave to me was cooking. But, you know, that, the you know, 80s and all that, it's just, that was kind of the time of all this kind of food really, really being so prevalent in society. Um, but I hear that a lot from people, you know, well, I ate like that and I turned out okay. But you know, when you look back, like at me, for instance, I mean, not really, I was constipated. Most of my childhood, I battled a raging skin condition, you know, starting in my teens, I was exhausted in my 20s. And I got an infertility diagnosis by the time I was 30. You know, those things don't just like happen they're just they brew up inside of you and mine were brewing starting at that early age and then they just kind of start manifesting um and, you know and with each generation it's hitting earlier and earlier you know because our their overall constitution is weaker because of all the processed food and toxins we're exposed to i mean our great grandparents and our grandparents had a hardier constitution than we do and we have a hardier constitution than our kids do which is frightening considered you know, all of the illness and disease in the world. Um, but they're exposed to even more than we were. 
And it's why there's so much more autism and ADHD and anxiety and depression and cancer in the world. People will say, oh, it's just because it's more recognized and diagnosed more now. But no, that's not it. It's because there is more of it. And the rising trend follows the rising trend of more processed food um, and more toxins in the world. Gosh, this is not turning out into a very uplifting podcast. (laughs) Um, it's going to turn around, but just, you know, I do think sometimes we need to be reminded of this truth and it's why, you know, it is why it is all the more frustrating and hard when, um, you want to change this for your family because you can, you know, you can shore up your constitution, your children's constitution. And so they are not susceptible to things like this. And it's why it's all the more frustrating when, when people don't listen, you know, whether it's your kids or your spouse or your parents or your friend. But here's what I really came on the podcast to say, um, because I've really had to just kind of reevaluate this for myself. And, you know, I always give this advice to people, which is that um, the biggest influence on family and friends is number one, to be the example, you know, focused on your health and getting it right for yourself and then plant the seeds, you know? And so I'm having to refocus on this as I move into this new territory with my kids and, um, you know, thinking about planting those seeds and actually really just kind of more throwing them without being so overly focused about how they land. And this is something I got from another Bible study that we were having. Um, See how good it is to go to Bible study? (laughs) You just get so much context and interesting sparks in your brain about things. But we were having a discussion about the parable of the sower, which is about the word of God as the seed. But I could see so much correlation to this topic we're having today, you know, when it comes to planting health seeds in our family and friends and being influencers for our family and friends. And so let me just kind of read, um, let me read part of the the parable um, that Jesus said. This comes from Luke 8, verses 5 through 8. It says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Okay, so in the Bible study, we were talking about getting hung up on how the seed falls and into which spot. Because we want every seed that we throw out there to, to land in the good soil and to take root and to grow, right? But that's not what always happens. And we get very discouraged when we feel like our seeds are falling on deaf ears, you know, we're falling on the ground and the rocks and in the thorns and going nowhere. And over time, it discourages us from even wanting to throw the seed. But the thing is, we're judging the growth of the seed in real time, you know, like in the moment we serve the plate and hear the whining about the vegetables. Or, you know, when you find out your kid spent, hello, $20 of his allowance on candy. Um, or when your husband would rather drive through for breakfast than eat what you've prepared, or when your parents keep using artificial sweetener, (laughs) all those kinds of things, they poke and cut at us, you know, for sure. But it doesn't mean that the seed isn't or will not eventually take root. And honestly, that's more of God's territory. We so want to be in control of how the seed lands 
And girl, I am speaking to myself here. I want to be in control. <laughs> but our job is to be the farmer, to throw the seed, you know, whether it's the health seeds or the word of God seeds. Our job is to throw them out there, to scatter them. First Corinthians 3, 7 says, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. We are the throwers, not the growers. God can do so much with our seeds and with the environment in which they land. Have you ever seen one of those pictures of a photo growing, uh, the photo of the tree that's growing out of this crack of a big rock? I just, I see this one kind of circulating in social media sometimes. And it's this tree, this beautiful tree growing out of a rock. You're like, how does that even happen? Or, you know, we'll be at the ranch and I'll see these beautiful flowers bloom out of a cactus. It's like, I am mesmerized by the irony of this, you know, seeing these beautiful cactus flowers grow alongside the thorns, you know, so God is in control of how these things grow and where they grow and what kind of environments they can grow out of. And we are not as much as we want to be, you know, we've got to bless and release, you know, throw those seeds and let them take root in their own time. You know, I've always said that if we lay a good foundation for our kids, whether it's with food or a relationship with Christ, you know, they may stray. I mean, they're going to stray. But if they have that good foundation, they know how to circle back to it. They'll come back to it. You know, I, I, I'm having to live my own advice right now and trust that even though we're getting into those straying years and they know everything and I don't know anything, um, that eventually these health seeds I've been planting will grow. You know, one thing my pastor pointed out during Bible study that I thought was really profound is that it requires humility to show up and throw seed, not knowing how it's going to land. It's trust and obedience and letting go of control. And that made me think of and really captures kind of what I felt God calling me to as the Christian nutritionist, you know, in the seeds he's, he wants me to throw, you know, I'm like, when I felt called to it, I was like, me, really? God, me? And who's going to listen to me? And how embarrassing to think that someone would want to watch a video I make or listen to a podcast. What if no one does? What if I'm talking to air? What if no one likes my videos or hears my message? You know, when I felt him impressing upon me, uh, not your job, that's my job. Your job is to throw the seed. Let me take care of where and how it lands. And that is hard, whether it's my kid or my client, because I feel as much a failure when I don't see the seed taking root in my client as I do my kids. You know, it often feels like my guidance is falling in the cracks and the crevices and they're throwing up all the resistance thorns. <laughs> but does that mean I should stop being a nutritionist and stop throwing the seed? Believe me, I have gotten down enough on myself that I've thought about it. You know, and when I was going through this kind of most recent particular string of hard mama moments with my kids on this topic, I mean, there were just times I just wanted to throw in the towel. I remember, you know, I was so mad one day and I'm not really proud of this, but I was yelling at them. I'm like, fine, run your body. I don't care. I'm done. Eat whatever you want. I'm so done. Y'all just do whatever. You know, I mean, I lost my, you know what, 
And, you know, and it's like, I can't even control my own home. I'm a sucky nutritionist. (laughs) What am I even doing? Oh, gosh. But, you know, it wasn't long after that that a client I hadn't talked to in months um, messaged me. and was like, I've lost 25 pounds. I feel so good. Thank you for everything you do. You know, and then someone I don't know will leave me a, a kind podcast review or someone will respond to one of my Sunday send outs and tell me how much it resonated. You know, many of those people are you. And I know that God is using you as a messenger to, you know, keep me going, keep throwing those seeds. Oh my gosh, y'all. I was in Target. I was in Target the other day where, um, when I was visiting my parents um, out where they live. I was buying school supplies with my daughter and this adorable young mom came up to me and she's like, are you the Christian nutritionist? <laughs> I was so caught off guard and I looked horrible, by the way, no makeup and had a ball cap on and covering my dirty swim hair. But anyway, I was just so kind of taken aback. I'm like, oh, yes, you know, and she was so sweet. I was like, you know, thank you for your posts. And, uh, you know, my heart like about exploded out of my chest. And I just I know that that's God like using people, you know, just to, to keep encouraging me, encouraging me. Um, and I could just cry for the love of it. So anyway, I just, you never know. You never know how the seeds are taking root. You just got to throw them. But also let's circle back. Cause, um, you know, one of those first things I said is first, you got to take care of yourself. Healer, heal thyself. Because when you are living the example when you are living your transformation, when you are living, when you are a living result, your family and friends are so much more likely to take notice and be receptive. It makes me think of my client, Pam. Remember, I did a podcast with her. She lost 60 pounds using what she learned in Feast to Fast. But even more importantly, she said it saved her marriage. Because when she was not taking care of herself, she was moody and hormonal and felt icky, you know, all of the time. And it affected the way that she showed up in her family, to her husband, to her son, and even at work. You know, she owns this house cleaning business and she was saying how one of her, her workers commented how much nicer she was now that she was healthier. And so that coworker started asking Pam, like, what are you doing? So Pam started sharing what she was doing, the things she had learned and her coworker started making changes. And then her family, you know, got on board and started eating healthier too. And it's not like Pam beat them over the head with it. She just lived it. She just did it. It's what I call organic evangelism, you know, and it's the most effective way to get your people on board. But it takes integrity and consistency. You know, you can't be telling your family one thing and then doing another. And it may take people a little time to to trust that, you know, and especially if they've been witness to you doing a lot of different things over the years and yo-yo dieting and such, you know, like, oh, here she goes again. (laughs) I've seen this before. Let's just sit back and see how long this lasts, you know? And so you've got to, um, you've got to be taking care of yourself, you know, in that consistent way. It kind of goes back to that Jesus example, you know, the, the people closest to us have a hard time seeing us past that context in which they know us you know there may be some skepticism for a while until they see that you're serious and they get to experience the fruits of your transformation because that's the thing right it's the fruit our fruit bears more fruit Pam felt better and she showed up better to her family and friends when we feel well we serve well 
And that's why we take care of these bodies, these holy temples, you know, that carry the love of God into the world. And when you feel well, you know, you just feel like you have an abundance of seed to throw, you know, and that's, that's what I try to focus on here. You know, if you've ever been through um, self-coaching Christians with me, which is the the mind work program that I do with my Christian Health Club members every October, you know that your your thoughts and your feelings drive your actions and results, right? And when you feel discouraged, you know, like you feel like nobody's listening to you, you feel like it's a big waste of time, you feel like throwing in the towel, um, that's when you personally derail from your goals, um, but you also hold back your seed, you know, but when you feel abundant, you know, when you feel good, you know, feel good in your body and you just, you feel ab- ab- abundant in general, you're just more likely to throw, to share, to give, to plant all the seeds. You're like, here, please just, I feel amazing. You know, let me just, I want to share this with the world, no matter how it lands, you know, and God has given you an abundance of seed to throw my friend, you know, so be the th- be the thrower and let him be the grower. Okay, so even though this podcast started out a little womp womp, (laughs) I hope you feel encouraged um, moving forward. You know, I I always try to refresh my spirit and my fortitude going into the new school year. That's kind of also what precipitated this um, today's topic is that school starts in about a week and I'm just ready to um, you know, be more consistent for myself and my family, um, you know, just be that example for them, be that study example, keep laying that foundation, you know, just bracing myself for things that are going to happen, but just not to focus on that, you know? And so that's just what I hope to impart to you today as well, you know, and that's, and that's where we focus on really in this next round of Feast of Fast. It's really focused around shoring up women who we are as women, you know, in spirit, mind and body. Um, And so that's really uh, the scripture we focus on. And um, really just empowering you again to feel well in your body, so that uh, you can bear more fruit in the world. And so if um, I hope that you'll join us, we know we start in one week. Um, It would be my honor to teach you support you and love on you. Um, for the next month. And also, you know, you health professionals, you know, I hope that I know you're feeling me (laughs) from today, you know, we just, we want our um, everybody that we work with to, um, to see that transformation. It is why we do what we do. You know, it is exactly why we do what we do. And so I hope that you're encouraged to um, just keep throwing that seed out there. And one way that you can do that um, is to become a feast of fast coach. You know, I have nurses and a doctor and NTPs and fitness professionals all out there um, sharing this method so that people, um, you know, can have a have this approach where it's not extreme, right? Um, kind of learning to live where real food meets real life. And so, that is what I'm, I'm hoping to share and spread. And so um, if you are somebody, a health professional interested in teaching that, 
go to feastafast.co backslash coach and you can sign up for coach training and you can sign up at feastafast.co for feastafast. And I'm ready, my friend. We are going to shore up these bodies and uh, get ready to throw all the seed. So I appreciate you so much for listening, so much for encouraging me. Like I said, every time, every time I get a message, a comment, an email, I know that's God working through you. And um, I can't tell you how much that it really does keep me going. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate you being here listening and that I'm not talking to air. Um, and I always just hope it's helpful for you and that you're learning something and, um, thinking more about God and, and taking some of these and, um, I hope some of these seeds are taking root in you and that it means transformation in your life. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.